<laughs> All right. Welcome to Zoom Out Podcast. My name is Tim Niemeyer. I am joined this week by Dave Carter. Uh, Dave, thank you for coming on the pod. Well, thanks for having me. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dave and I have known each other literally since he was born. Um, so this is a very special uh, pod for me. Dave is my best friend. I, uh, his mother was my elementary teacher. My mother helped raise him, uh, Nanny. Um, known each other forever. Um, so this is special to me. Let me just go ahead and give a little uh, insight into Dave. Dave is not only a father of four, not only holding down a full-time job, uh, he runs his own home setting. Uh, he has got a real estate side hustle, a very successful business, uh, flipping and maintaining uh, properties. He is also a lighting engineer, and he is also a fantastic drummer playing in multiple bands over the last few decades. Um, I truly don't know anybody who is a harder worker than Dave <laughs> Carter. Dave, um, is all, are all those things true or are they, am I just kind of like making this? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all things I do. You know, that's somehow it. we, we kind of fit all those things in, you know, I, and I don't know how you do it, but I love it. Um, in addition to all this, he is one of the few people that actually listened to me, uh, orange pill <laughs> from an early stage before I started Lincoln land Bitcoin. Uh, we were talking about like, can we even buy diapers with Bitcoin? I remember those conversations from years ago, yep. and I, I'm grateful that you stuck through all of that. <laughs> well, for everybody out there, Tim is, uh, you may know him as, as a wealth of information doing the Zoom Out podcast and, and YouTube channel and all that. But like he said, since I've been born, Tim's always just been my best friend. So over the years, you know, we're, we, we're busier now. We've got families. We don't get to hang out as much, but we, you know, we'd go out and have dinner and go have drinks or something. And he just started talking to me about Bitcoin and go, okay, yeah, yeah. I've heard of what that is. And then and he started talking about it the next time we were together and the next time and probably every time for, for, for the next several. I mean, we still talk about it all the time now, but yeah, it yeah, was yeah. back in the, the, this was probably 2020. When yeah. uh, I think you'd been you'd been talking to me for a few years at this point, sure. um, and there are just so many facets to Bitcoin, and it's really tough to see when you're new to it. Like you said, I remember asking you, like, "Well, how do I buy diapers with it? How right. can I use this?" Like, I I, I couldn't understand the value proposition. And well, I appreciated that you were all about it and all into it. I'm like, that's, that's cool. Okay. But then we started talking about, you know, as a financial instrument. And then we started talking about it as, you know, an investment. And we started talking about how it, it takes away borders in our world. And, and we started talking about how it's a hedge against inflation. And there, there's just so many different aspects to touch on that you could lock somebody in a room for eight hours and tell them almost everything that they would need to know to understand Bitcoin. And their head would be spinning because you're covering 10 or 12 different topics. So to try and sit down at a dinner with somebody, you might talk about one topic. And then and a month or two later, you talk about another topic. And it took probably a couple of years before all the information that you were you were feeding me and giving me as you were learning, it just finally clicked and I had the aha moment. Well, two things. One, uh, you were helping me sharpen my axe because I was that Bitcoiner that was just splurging all of this information on you without thinking about like, 
What's bad? What does he need to hear right now? You know what I mean? And right. also, you're absolutely right. It is so Bitcoin is such a wide ranging concept. It touches all areas of humanity. It's kind of like that meme of like a bunch of scientists around different parts of an elephant describing the different parts of an elephant without saying it's an elephant. You know, like, yeah, you know, we could go around and about on so many different aspects. And um, the real reason I have you on here is not so much as a content expert for Bitcoin. I mean, I still believe you know more about Bitcoin than 90% of the entire world. It, you might not agree I mean, with me, but that's probably true because most people just, just don't just they don't, don't know. But uh, I'm having you on uh, partly just because I like having you on and <laughs> this is fun for me, but also because I, I believe that there are a lot of people that are new to Bitcoin. Hearing it from your point of view, hearing your journey, your story is going to be more accessible to them. Mm -hmm. you're closer to their part of the journey than where I am. Mm -hmm. And so if there's anything, I mean, I could say something and then you would have a different aspect and a uh, different perspective and it, it, they'll probably catch on a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. so, well, like you said, you and I, uh, you know, like what is it? Iron sharpens iron or what? That's, that's yeah, it. the analogy you said, um, you and I have always been really good at debating. We'll, we'll go to a concert out of town and we'll be driving home, tapping the padiddles we see on the way home and challenging arguments about things that we even agree on. You know, it's always been something you and I have been have been good at. And, you know, sometimes we'll get together and my wife be like, oh, how's the family? I'm like, I don't know. We didn't talk about the family, but we debated this and this. And, <laughs> and, and look, for the it, record. it really helps you because I came from it from a real point of skepticism. That yeah. I challenged everything you said. You said, oh, well, but this is why it's so great. I'm like, well, this is why that argument is not good. And I go, huh. And, you know, and, and, and that's what I think it took years of that to, uh, you know, to actually take the time to, to challenge the ideas. And, and you're one of the few people that uh, has an open mind. You're not going to take something blindly. Right. You are going to challenge, and I, I appreciate about you. But at the same time, you're willing to hear stuff that may create some cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's a skill set that too few people have that everybody needs to be able to get to a point of really understanding the value proposition of Bitcoin. Yeah. You have to so, come at it with an open mind and you have to challenge it. You have to ask the person who's telling you this is the greatest financial instrument ever. You have, you have to challenge that, you know, because otherwise you're just taking for granted what somebody else is telling you without really putting in the thought. And it takes a lot of putting in the thought to wrap your head around all the different facets of what makes Bitcoin such an amazing invention in history. So um, I'm sure we'll get to it. Um, you've really started to take on Bitcoin. And um, like with the episode that I just shared, the Preston Piss episode uh, with Leon. Oh, I listened we'll to that get, one twice. We'll get into real estate in a bit because you, you run a real estate business. Um, and... I want to hear your thoughts on how that kind of is developing. But where was the first connection for you personally where Bitcoin is like, I mean, was it the diapers or was it <laughs> something else? Was it the uh, store value? What thing clicked for you where you first started around 2020 to say, oh, I see, I see some value in it? Um, <clears throat> I think where it clicked was in realizing this is the greatest financial instrument that society has ever created. And it literally can't be duplicated because to 
do to create something that does what Bitcoin does, you've just recreated Bitcoin. It is it is amazingly unique. Um, and I think when you when you realize that when you realize that fact that it is an amazing financial instrument, you understand the arbitrage of information and have that feeling of I understand this and millions of other people are going to understand it soon. Millions. But they don't yet. Um, and just, I mean, just once, once I realized it was solid, I, I just knew that I, I know that one day it's going to be our global currency. You know, um, it's going to be taken for granted the way we take for granted the SMTP protocols. And some <laughs> people might not even know what that means. You know, they you know, use it every day. Um, I think back to, uh, I think it was the Today Show in like 2000 and Brian Gumbel is well, what's what's that at sign and what's the email what's an email what do we do with that and you know the internet? internet is a series of tubes you know that yeah, and, and just sometimes people get stuck trying to figure out well what is that protocol and what's that at symbol mean instead of thinking about what is this going to mean for me how is this going to change the way business is conducted how is this going to change the way i you know, the post office works. And, you know, sometimes we get so far in the weeds trying to understand or challenge the basic protocol that we're missing what we actually do with that protocol. I absolutely love that. Um, it's It goes along with the idea that you don't need to know how an internal combustion engine works. You still use a car. You don't need to right. know how cellular communication works. You still have a cell phone. Um, all, all of those things. Um, and actually, I'm Side note: I'm listening to uh, Nikola Tesla's autobiography right oh, now. He cool. passed away in the early third or early forties, nineteen forties. He was talking about channeling the Earth's energy to be able to transmit information, basically like a pre-internet um, wireless internet before it was even a thing. And there's very few people that can that have that ability, and I, I'm one of them. We're you know we're not somebody who can see. 50, 100 years in the future. And that's part of the problem because <clears throat> imagine talking to a caveman, not about a wheel or fire, but trying to describe a car to them. Yeah. They don't understand the wheel. They don't understand internal combustion. They don't understand everything in between there. How can you get them from point A to Z without describing points B, C, and so on? Right, right. It's a lot to take in and wrap your head around. And if you get stuck trying to challenge every little thing, like, but how do I buy diapers with it? You know, you really kind of miss the bigger picture, as as I did for a long time. And as I think most of the planet is missing the bigger picture right now. I think how Jamie Dimon is missing the picture right now. Oh, my God. Did you see that interview? Jamie Dimon comes out and says, oh, that, but it, Bitcoin just doesn't do anything. There's some other cryptocurrencies that have some utility and do something. But this other Bitcoin, it's it's just for money laundering and kidnapping and things like that. And other than that, it's just people trading it around themselves. So you oh got to gosh, I about blew my lid. I, I turn to my wife and go, oh, he's either, he's either an idiot or he's incredibly dishonest. And he's a smart man. He's the largest, he's the CEO of one of the largest banks in the world. I don't think he's dumb as much as I, it's easy to just say. No, that. no, he's, an idiot. he's a smart man. He knows he's what's deceptive going on. And that, what <clears throat> that points to is what a lot of where the FUD comes from, I believe from like world leaders, um, large companies, because we're not just taking away shares. Like we're taking away in a way their lifeblood 
Yeah. You know, they built their entire life based on this fiat system that's easy to manipulate. So, of course, they're going to use their tactics of manipulation to try and tell you what they think or to try and discredit this new and improved system. Yeah. And people are going to believe it. People are going to look at him and go, well, he's a CEO of JP Morgan Chase. Like, he wouldn't lie to us. What, it's, what, oh, it's so disingenuous. I, I was I just shook my head. Just, one of the best uh, tweets uh, that I heard after the fact was um, Epstein didn't use Bitcoin. He used JP Morgan for all his illicit activity. Um, that's uh, a whole other conversation. Maybe leave that one off. Yeah, but that's what people are battling with when when you or I come to them and say, hey, this is why this is the greatest financial invention ever. Look at this little bottle of snake oil. And then they have experts there telling them that, oh, it's a joke. It's only for criminals. I understand why the floodgates are not opening. There are people actively trying to make sure that it's not. I think he's probably trying to just keep the price low while they buy more until one day he comes out and says, greatest invention of all time. Which Larry Fink is now in that cat category. He was the guy that shit talked it for years. And guess what? BlackRock now has a billion dollars. And that goes back to something you mentioned earlier about um, you having to be able to challenge, not accept everything you hear, but also have an open mind to something that's challenging. You know, there's a, it's a fine line there. And yeah. One thing that I talk about a lot on Zoom Out is uh, financial freedom. Maybe we can pivot there. Before I get into that, do you have like um, a mental model, a definition of financial freedom for you? Um, yeah, I can I can point to a number on on our budget. My my wife and I are both MBAs and love spreadsheets and uh, keep close tabs on everything. I mean, I can point to a number on that budget and say, that is how much money I need every month to be able to have freedom to do and work on whatever I want to work on every day. And that to me is, that's going to be as good as it gets one day. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And I, I, be I believe with as intelligent as you are and as hardworking as you are, you're going to get there. And I also believe one of the things that's going to help you get there is Bitcoin. So maybe let's pivot to there. How have you seen Bitcoin help you in getting toward that goal? Well, it initially, my first purchase was, <clears throat> um, was right as the pandemic was starting. I had, I had somebody in my ear talking to me about Bitcoin for a few years leading up to that point. Um, I knew that it had hit 18,000 or so in, I think it was 2018, the, the previous peak, I saw that it was, you know, it was around eight or 10. And then, you know, a, a lot of us very quickly saw what was happening in the pandemic. You know, I ordered, you know, appraisals and refinances on a few houses and on my house. And, um, you know, we saw what was happening with interest rates, prices went down, but it was around that time that I had realized this is digital gold. And now it's on sale. And, then and so this was in March. Um, I had a little bit of extra money tucked away because I have a lot of side gigs. So I kind of try and put away a little bit of money from every gig just to in case we get hit with a tax bill. Well, we had done our taxes and, you know, we came out not owing anything. So I had a very small little amount of money, you know, and uh, I wanted to save it. And I didn't want to spend it on fun stuff. You know what I mean? You you tuck it away and, <clears throat> and then we go, oh man, it'd be really fun though to 
take the kids to the water park today. Let's just go get in the sock drawer and take that out of there. I wanted a way to spend it or to save it that was kind of difficult. And I say that in, in the sense of like, I can't just go grab it out of a drawer. I mean, I could, I could turn it into cash very quickly, but then I'm also going to have tax implications because I have never sold a single sat since I started buying. So, and that's my, that was my whole idea of, I'm just going to start trying to put a little bit here and just funnel a little bit over here as much as I can, because it's growing a little and it's growing a little. And one day I think it's going to be growing a lot. Um, and like you mentioned, we've, we've, you know, we've got some of our, our small net worth in real estate. Um, we've got some houses and apartments. We've got some in our deferred comp plans at work. And I wanted to start putting a little bit into Bitcoin. So a couple of things tied together there for me when you mentioned that, that financial freedom, one of the precursors for that is the ability to have low time preference. And I think for me, I, I've always been kind of a low time preference guy, but Bitcoin just kind of just made that go crazy. Like I'm all about the low time preference now. Did you feel you, before Bitcoin, you already had that concept of like, saving deferred gratification. I feel you did. Yeah, I, I definitely, I had that feeling, but I also had four kids and a farm and, you know, as much as I wanted to try and save, um, outside of what we were doing in real estate and just our basic deferred comp plans, like 401k type of stuff. Um, I wanted another Avenue. I wanted somewhere else to kind of, I wanted another bucket to start filling up. Um, so I made that initial purchase and, you know, I, I work a lot of gig type of stuff. I'm a lighting engineer and a drummer, and I just take just a little bit of every gig that I get and kind of try and put it into there. I take, uh, I use a fold card, the fold debit card that you, you turned me on to, um, you know, to buy all of our groceries. So I'm buying diapers with it now, or at least maybe I'm not buying diapers, but I'm getting rewards <laughs> in Bitcoin for buying my diapers with, with the fold card. I love it. Um, you know, our we've got another credit card for our gas gasoline, and we get a hundred percent or sorry, one percent back every month on that. So I got this little bit that I'm spending on groceries. We get half percent back. I get all of our car gasoline. I'm getting one percent back on that. And you know, every time that gets to a certain point, I I take those rewards out. I'm trying to find ways to just earn Bitcoin by doing things that I'm already doing. Trying to just integrate it into my normal financial happenings. So it, it takes people to have a little bit of low time preference initially to have that savers mentality. But also, I mean, I'm thinking back to the time when I had a lot of friends who might have that same feeling, but then when they try to apply it to the fiat system, I mean, if I'm saving like a, a sliver here, a percentage there, you know, whatever, I'm also getting eaten up by inflation. Right. So that disincentivizes me or disincentivizes them from wanting to save. Mm -hmm. So kind of just putting a pin on that, that Bitcoin allows you the opportunity to develop your low time preference and develop a saver's mentality, mm -hmm. which is going to benefit not just you and your wife, you know, towards your retirement, but ideally your children moving forward. I mean, me personally, I have a certain allocation, uh, you know, large percentage of my network is now in Bitcoin. And I guarantee I'm not going to spend a certain percentage because I know I want to leave my kids with as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, it's, it's definitely a, 
if it's something you might need that money next week or next month or even maybe next year, you know, maybe hold on to it in fiat. But if you're really trying to save generationally, it's a good place to set it where, you know, I mean, think about, say you get, you got a hundred bucks from your grandma for your birthday one year and you decide I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to save this. You put it in a savings account or in your top dresser drawer. You turn around in five years, you're going to look at that hundred bucks and be like, oh man, remember when that used to seem like it was a lot of money? You know, geez, I'm looking at our grocery bills, like the amount of money we spent on groceries the other day. And I carried it like $330 in groceries and I carried it all in in two loads. And I just looked at that and went, oh my God, like that used to seem like a lot of money. And that was just our groceries for a week, week and a half, you know, like those dollar amounts. So then you turn around, you look at that hundred dollars you put in your sock drawer a couple of years ago and go, man, that, that used to seem like a lot of money. That'll only buy me food now for my family for a few days, which seems ridiculous. You know, I, I, now that I, we're having this conversation now, I, I flash back to 2019 or whenever, and I should have just made a chart of like, this is how many diapers you'll get in Bitcoin versus how many di diapers you'll get in dollars and then do it over time. Yeah. I'd have had to sell right then, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I try and figure out too, like how, how is this going to help me in retirement? And it's something I've talked to you a lot about. I'm like, okay, we, we, we're in early, you know, we're the early adopters. We're, yeah. we're getting in it before everybody else. We're watching these numbers grow, but how do I, how do I play with it one day? You know what I mean? How do I get that payoff one day? Um, oh, sure. So I've tried to look at trying to compare it to like the 4% rule with investing in like stocks where, you know, they say you can safely withdraw 4% of your portfolio every year to live on without actually shrinking your portfolio. Um, so I've looked at, well, what if I sold 10% of my Bitcoin every year? And the, the thing I get hung up on is that even though my dollar amounts keep increasing, the actual amount of Bitcoin that I would still own gets smaller and smaller. And I think that gets into kind of unit, uh, uh, what is it? Unit bias? Uh, unit bias. That Why is that a magic number? I don't know, but it just is. So I want to save it. <laughs> so I want to save it for the future because I could save, I could spend a little bit now, but then I'm going to think about, well, what's that little bit now going to be worth in 10 years? That's my opportunity cost, you know, the whole marshmallow test. And, you know, I can either try and eat it now, or I just tuck this away and just keep tucking this away and just kind of forget about it. Don't play, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard not to spend money that you have accessible. Well, That's and why it's great to have like retirement accounts or, you know, money in real estate or money in Bitcoin where you can't just pick up and say, well, I'm going to spend that now because I, I kind of just decided I want to go on this vacation instead. It forces you into a little bit more of a, you know, the, the low time preference, the, the long term mentality of I really need to put this away because this is. You know, this is something our grandkids would find, might find in an attic one day and open up this chest and light comes out. And, you know, it's <laughs> what it is, is amazing. And just because everyone doesn't know it yet doesn't mean some of us don't know it. Right. So and there's a responsibility to, to not spend it and hold on to it. Somebody who does know it, Michael Saylor, for anybody who's into business, <clears throat> you got to really dig into this. He runs micro, micro strategy, uh, business analytics firm. He is now holding Bitcoin. On, he's been holding Bitcoin on his balance sheet for <clears throat> a long time, but now he's issuing share more shares in order to buy Bitcoin. Now, usually when a company issues shares, that's dilutive. Mm -hmm. It makes each share less valuable, 
right? But the way he's doing it by buying Bitcoin, the amount, uh, the value of each share is actually going up the more he issues shares because he's holding it in Bitcoin. So I don't know how that directly relates to like an individual, but like, for example, you with your real estate, let's kind of go there. Mm -hmm. I was talking earlier about Preston Pish, Leon Wankham, talking about um, Bitcoin. Oh, that was a great interview. Digital real estate, right? Yep. Um, for somebody who's not in real estate, it's so mind-blowing. Then after, right after I get done listening to him, I'm like, what did I just hear? <laughs> I need to listen to that again. That is exactly what I did. I, I listened to that episode <laughs> driving to a gig one night out of town, and then I listened to it again the next morning. I was like, I need to, I need to take that in again. So um, they made being, a lot. Go ahead. Being um, being in real estate, it, could you give us your take of, you know, what was the what was the takeaway for you from that? Well, I I kind of almost unintentionally got into real estate. Um, my wife and I liked fixing up our, our house and you lived in a couple of different houses and then sold them for a little bit more than we bought them for. And then really fixed up one house we were in, refinanced it, pulled a little bit of money out to buy a rental that was down the street from us um, and held that one. But then we started flipping houses. We kind of took the skill set that I had. I accumulated more tools and whatnot. And, you know, we, we flipped... I don't know, six or seven houses over a few years. But part of the way into that, I kind of got into um, just learning more about the value of holding on to that real estate for the long term rather than trying to make the quick flip on it. So we then start, started accumulating some rentals and then, you know, refinance some of them and, you know, got an apartment building and got another couple other multifamily things. But it was it was something that was in our wheelhouse to try and create value. And then we realized once we had kind of created that value, it's going to only go up over time. I mean, granted, there, there may be times the market goes up a little bit, up, down, a little, you know, but the house you buy now is probably going to be worth a whole lot more in 10 years than what you bought it for now because yeah. it's such a great store of value. Well, and just to clarify, and, and everybody normally says your the, the value of your house goes up. I disagree. It's not the value of the, your house. It's yeah. just that the, that what you're comparing it against the dollar is so yeah. inflationary. It's the, the denominator is always changing. And just like a mm -hmm. basic fraction, if you change the denominator, you change the overall ratio. Um, so I, I'm trying to be mindful. I, I still say it. I still say my house's value is going up just to the everyday person. But in reality, your house isn't getting is going better. better. Your house isn't getting better. There's depreciation, you know, there's the, the fix up there. It's not. So when you start denominating your house in Bitcoin, you really start to see that difference. And we were talking right after we both listened to that episode. Trying of, to wrap my head around it. I how is that it. possible? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, he makes great points of that. It's, it's a store of value. So when you get into much bigger multifamily, you have situations where there are doctors and lawyers and people that like i i have this two hundred thousand dollars i can either put it in the bank and lose money or i can try and make money somehow with it and they might or they might have a 1031 exchange they're doing and they have to buy something and put the money into a big apartment complex even if it's not going to perform that well they just they have to put their money somewhere they have to store their value somewhere real estate historically has always been pretty solid in the sense that 
it is a real and tangible asset. And while it's not immediately liquid, if you decide this year you want to sell your house, you're probably going to be able to sell your house by the end of the year. So it's not completely illiquid, but there's a lot to maintain. The depreciation that happens on a house. Um, David Green from the Bigger Pockets has said before, and I, I've learned this the hard way, that you're not going to retire on cash flow necessarily from real estate. Some people are, I'm sure, but the cash flow is a defensive metric. That cash flow is what keeps you from losing the house when I had to replace two furnaces earlier this year, had to have a new roof put on a house. So the idea that we were going to be making this money off this sounded great. And then tell the reality of, the, of it is it's very expensive to maintain properties. Um, a vacancy for a month or two can knock out, you know, half of what you're going to make on that property over the course of a year. However, in 10 years, those, those houses are all going to be worth more. But think of the amount of value that's going out the door just trying to maintain them. Well, so the thought in that interview that they came across was, well, Real estate is a great store of value and they find out when everyone figures out that Bitcoin is a better store of value, they're thinking the money is going to come out of real estate and more into Bitcoin. And then the value of real estate is going to kind of return back to its utility value rather than its great store of value value. And because uh, I remember uh, Leon was saying that real estate's value is almost 70% that of that monetary premium is like... So in in a way, you're almost thinking of the real estate is the uh, cash generator, mm -hmm. but it is not. But once that is generated enough cash to where you can kind of maintain that that business moving forward, the rest, the monetary value, gets ported over to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're using the real estate to help build the Bitcoin stash. So I love that idea. I love that idea, what he was doing with this company, putting 25% of the reserves into Bitcoin, keeping 75% in cash because you're going to have maintenance, vacancies, yeah. you're going to have expenses. But yeah, slowly moving it over. Um, we uh, we haven't sold a rental since we started about six years ago, but I, I think we're going to put at least one house on the market this year. Just uh, everything's gotten more expensive. Maintenance has gotten more expensive. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to you know, take some of that money and put it over into Bitcoin because then I don't have to deal with pipes freezing and, you know, trees falling on a roof. And, you know, they're not exactly the same asset, but in terms of a, an easy store of value, Bitcoin is leaps and bounds easier to maintain. Oh, I love that. I know that podcast just blew my mind. It was, it was great info. I had to listen to it a second time to make sure I understood it. So you got to say, you got to save enough for the depreciation and also pay for diapers. <laughs> or maybe you can just put it over to Bitcoin and then buy the diapers through Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm just um, well, yeah. And on a, if you look at historically, Bitcoin's gone up over 200% a year. And that doesn't mean it's going to every year. It'll plummet some years. It'll go back up some other years. And But historically, it is. And I look at the returns on real estate trying to give to investors of you know 10 to 20% or hoping to make 8 or 10% on our own with it seems silly with everything that goes into it when you have another asset over here that is not going to burn down it's not going to be flooded the roof of bitcoin is not going to you know metaphorically come down or something but um you don't have the same real life issues with that with as a store of value the way you do with bitcoin so i can definitely understand where when people are needing to just store money somewhere why would they put it in something that's going to give them 10% interest a year when they could get put it into something that is looking to grow 200% a year? 
And those numbers are just astronomical. If you look at the price and you just, that, that chart I sent you about, well, what if we sold a little bit every month? Where would it be? Part of the assumption in that chart was, what do you think Bitcoin's going to grow at? It's been growing at over 200%. If you put in even just 50% a year, in 10 years, the price of Bitcoin is in the millions. I mean, it doesn't take long for it to become ridiculous numbers. And that's even only at a fourth of the percentage that it's been growing at historically. So why do I want to keep dealing with this, this house that's a problem house for me, holding a little bit of money, when I can just put it over here and know that it's safe and secure and growing because it's a perfect store of value? It's it's completely changing my uh, my thoughts on retirement and where we're holding our money and things like that. And just, you know, kind of the big plan of my family. It's it's definitely causing me to rethink some things. I love this so much. And, <laughs> me too. And I hope, and I hope that um, a listener, especially those that are new to this idea, are, are, are picking up what you're setting down. I want to I want to ask the listener a question. Does this sound like somebody who doesn't know Bitcoin? Because <laughs> they've, I know you're you're still considered yourself new. You consider yourself like not an expert, but you get it, and you get it because you're living it. And that kind of what it, that's what it takes. You buy a little first. Don't mm -hmm. leverage. Don't spend more than you can, and then just start. More importantly than buying it, learning about it. Because once you start to learn about it, you're it's not that long of a journey yeah i've heard something like a, a hundred hours spending about a hundred hours and i probably burned about 20 to 40 hours of your time between 2018 and 2020 right? oh, it was great though it was great well, well um I, I brought my oldest daughter annie to lunch with you i don't know a few weeks ago she was on christmas break and we were just you know we were just talking to her and i was like do you know what bitcoin is and she goes no and we kind of went well, you know, it's digital money that you like buy and sell like on your phone and stuff. She goes, oh, cool. And then goes back to the game she's playing. I think eventually it's going to be like that, where when we say, what's email? Well, you just send a letter through a computer. Oh, cool. But when it was brand new, it was, well, what do I do with this? I, I think kids are going to pick it up a lot easier and they're going to figure it out pretty quickly. Well, and I'm pretty sure all of our kids were born after Bitcoin was a thing there, yeah. that generation will not have lived in a world without Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And then, and then when they, you know, if they eventually have a, a card that pays sats at a little terminal and if for some reason it doesn't, they have to use, you know, this debit card that we helped them buy or something like that. And they're like, well, but it doesn't go through for three days. They're going to look at me like, why? What what do you mean it's not instant? Why not? Like all these things that we just take for granted about the legacy financial system, our kids are just growing up the same way when my, my youngest was one and a half and she could sit there on a phone and go through the photos and, you know, make them bigger and smaller. She's, it's just innate to them. And I think Bitcoin is going to be innate to our kids and it's happening right now. The change is happening just the way I can look at her and go, well, it's digital money. And she gets it because she doesn't have the whole lifetime of this financial system that we have that is terrible to compare it to. She just looks at it and goes, oh, it's digital money. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. I can't wait to tell her the rest. You need to write a kid's book, man. I want to give them a kid's book. It's, it's, it's on the list. It's on the list. I'll, I'll write a forward very shabbily. I love it. I love it. Well, Dave, that's a great place to stop. Dave Carter, thank you so much uh, for being my friend, for listening to me, help letting me uh, sharpen my iron. <laughs> uh, 
putting up with all my crazy Bitcoin talk and uh, joining me on this journey. Um, I look forward to the next, uh, the rest of the journey. Always great talking with you. Always great debating with you and challenging each other. And, you know, you're doing good work here. I can't Thank wait you. for you to see you're about to hit your 100th video. You got to oh, do man. something special for that 100th video, man. Better not be shabby. Right. <laughs> Better I'll not be. Someone diapers. I'll do someone. <laughs> Thanks so it. much for having me. It's good talking with you, Tim. Dave, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. See ya.